Funding for this podcast comes from MathWorks, creators of MATLAB and Simulink software, accelerating the pace of engineering and science. Learn more at MathWorks.com. Support for this podcast comes from Is Business Broken, a podcast from BU Questrom School of Business. Today's business leaders are saying that sustainability and diversity metrics are key to the way they do business, but what does that look like in practice? Stick around until the end of this episode to hear more. Produced by the iLab at WBUR, Boston. Hey guys, it's Ben. It's snack time time. Just snack time, maybe? Anyway, Amory is on vacation and so am I. So today we are bringing you another snack time episode where we pick a couple of Reddit posts and chat about them while we snack. Today, my snack time partner is Endless Thread producer Josh Swartz. Hey, Josh. Hey, Ben. I'm making my snack sounds right now. ASMR folks, take note. Any ideas yet? Uh, no, I'm going to need to hear the food itself. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Oh. I'm sound- a chewer, not a sucker. <laughs> it sounds like an apple or something, but I don't know why that would be in a bag. It's a popsicle. <laughs> Very appropriate. It's hot, man. Yeah, it's real hot. Um, I do not have something appropriate for the temperature outside, but okay. I'll, I'll, I'll play some sounds for you. Okay, hit me. Trigger warning to the folks who have misophonia out there. Hmm. It kind of sounds like those famous Amos little mini cookies. Famous Amos? Yeah. Is that what they're called? It's the right shape. It's not the right snack. Mm. I'm, uh, I've got a bag of those cheese crisps. Mmm, how British of you. Yes. <laughs> My snack time story today is, is British. Ooh. Yeah. Josh, I'm going to tell you a story about LSD. Have you heard about LSD? I have heard of it, yes. <laughs> okay, so this comes from the TIFU, or Today I Fucked Up, community. It is a throwaway account, meaning we'll probably never hear directly from this person. And this is one of those posts that, while we don't know for sure if it's true, it's it seems to me to be, like, just weird enough to be true. I think you and I have maybe talked about this post already, um, but here's the title of the post. Mm -hmm. Today I fucked up by taking LSD and pretending to be French for 10 months. (laughs) I do remember talking about this one with you. Okay. So this was more of an FU that happened quite a while ago, which only just caught up to me a few weeks ago. So not today, says the original poster or the OP. What do you remember, Josh? I don't remember any of the specifics. I just remember that I think someone had to pretend to be French for 10 months because Mm. they dug themselves in some hole. Yeah, had to is, is, you know, maybe a little over the line. (laughs) But um, so this is how this post starts. About 11 months ago, I moved into a new house as a temporary sort of thing until I could just get the money together to sort of to sort something out properly. I was hoping to have already moved out by this point. 
On my second day after I'd finished unpacking, I decided to break the house in with a nice acid trip. I brought some with me that I had recently bought but had not had the chance to use yet. Okay, so far so mm-hmm. bad. Yep, as you do, as you Take, do. T- taking acid by yourself in a house that you just moved into. <laughs> Great move. Yep. Things were going well with the trip, but then it seemed to be getting really intense, and I quickly realized that the tabs were much stronger than I had been told they were. I thought being locked up in the unfamiliar house wasn't helping me relax, so I figured the best thing to do to relax would be to go for a stroll because I was starting to get pretty overwhelmed at that point. So knowing nothing about this, but having heard about um, taking drugs, this makes sense to me, right? Yeah. Wait, Ben, you've heard about taking drugs? Yeah, I've heard about it. Okay. So this person leaves the house, right? The first thing that happens is they immediately bump into their next-door neighbor who is arriving to their house at the same time. And, of course, the neighbor is like, Hi, nice to meet you. My name's so-and-so. Are you new to the area? And he says, so I basically do this thing sometimes when people try to sell me things on the street, etc., where I pretend I can't speak English. I remember a few words from French class, so I just say nonsense sentences, and then people usually leave me alone. So he's tripping, so he decides to do this. And apparently he says, Je voudrais une boulangerie. Which I, I, I guess is I would like to have a, a bakery yeah, or something. N- not really like a baked good, I think. It's more like he wants... I want a whole bakery. The whole bakery. He gets inside his house and starts freaking out. A, because he's on LSD and he's having a hard trip. But B, because he realizes, quote, I'd just become French. The next day when I woke up, I realized the best thing I could do as an Englishman was just live with the lie (laughs) for the rest of my short stay in this house to avoid the excruciating embarrassment of having pretended to be French for seemingly no reason. I definitely question that logic. I'm not sure that's where I would have landed. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. What happens next, do you think? I I think he frantically starts to learn how to speak more French words so that he can keep up this charade. Fast forward 10 months, he says, I still live here, and at this point, I'm in deep. My life on this street is a web of lies. I've perfected my French accent, and over the course of 10 months, French me has learnt a decent amount of English so he can hold the disjointed conversation. Oh, my God. I've gotten to know the neighbors pretty well, and I was the nice, quirky French guy on the street. I didn't let the lie slip ever because every day, every conversation I had just meant that it would be even worse if anyone ever discovered I wasn't French. But then there was the day it all came crashing down. I was walking to my car and saw one of the neighbors coming towards me from the opposite direction with someone else next to her I didn't recognize. Oh, it's a French person. (laughs) She stopped to say hi, as she normally does, and then says to her friend, this is so-and-so, the guy I was telling you about. You might be able to see where this is going. Yes. This is coming crashing down hard and fast. (laughs) Her friend hits me with a question in French that I didn't understand a word of and knew he was actually French straight away because his accent was way better than mine. (laughs) 
I didn't know what to do and I just froze. And after way too long of a pause, I just decided to come clean. I told her I wasn't actually French and couldn't speak French. Oh, God. And then I tried to play it off like some kind of practical joke I've been doing on everyone. Oh, see, that that's a bad move. Right? Yes, the social interaction skills of this this person leave a lot to be desired. Ugh. For sure. I haven't spoken to any of my neighbors since, some of which I'd struck up a friendly relationship with over the last 10 months. Every time I think about the day I was discovered, the embarrassment physically hurts me. It's painful to hear this story. I know. And how long was did he end up being there? 11 months so far. Oh, man. That's brutal. And, like... I do have a hard time fully buying this story. I know. But but it's just weird enough that you kind of get it. Yeah. Right? Yes. It is It is definitely weird. All right, Josh, you got a story for me, right? Correct. All right. We'll hear that in a minute. Support for this podcast comes from Is Business Broken, a podcast from BU Questrom School of Business. In a recent episode, series CEO Mindy Luber says sustainability has reached a board level. Look, if you're an agricultural company and you're not thinking about water risk, you're an apparel company, you're not thinking about risk to your cotton crop around the world. If you are a bank and not thinking about stranded assets of fossil fuels, you're not probably doing your due diligence. Stick around until the end of this podcast for a preview of the episode. A gruesome scandal at the nation's most prestigious university shines a light on a macabre and lucrative world of buying and selling human remains. Human body parts taken by a manager at the Harvard Medical School morgue and then sold to customers online. So my first skull is right there on the top shelf. That's my first and my favorite. I'm reporter Ali Jarmani, and this story raises some tough questions. How should we treat the dead? And who gets to decide? There should be some middle ground where we treat deceased tissues differently than we treat old refrigerators. This is Postmortem, the Stolen Bodies of Harvard, a new season of WBUR's Last Scene. Listen and follow Last Scene wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, you ready? Hit me. This post is also from TIFU. Today I fucked up. Okay. It was posted four years ago. And I'm not going to read the headline because it kind of gives away the ending, but I'll tell you the username. Drank hot sauce dash regret. Oh, no. And it starts like this. I have had a number of job interviews recently that went poorly and did not result in securing employment. So this guy is like, I need to do something to ramp up my presence, make my interviews more memorable. Mm -hmm. And the idea he comes up with is this. After concluding the interview, after the handshakes, when leaving the room, stop, turn around, and say, quote, there's one more thing you need to know about me. Then pull out a bottle of hot sauce, down the entire bottle, slam it onto the ground, and say, quote, I can handle the heat. And then he leaves the room. This is another example of a story about someone who has a small problem and they take a very extreme solution. Yes, he's doing so much. He needs to do maybe less. Yeah, 
say, say something nice at the end of the interview. You don't have to, like, intimidate people with hot sauce. Yes. So, uh, all right. Next sentence. Well, it didn't pan out like I thought it would. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> so he says, you know, the interview goes pretty normally. It ends. And he does exactly the thing he says he's going to do. Mm-hmm. He turns around and says, there's one more thing you need to know about me. Mm-hmm. And he writes, I pulled out the hot sauce bottle. In my head, it was all one quick, confident motion, like an electric Indiana Jones. But instead, I fumbled around and had a tough time getting it open. But it was probably only 20 seconds, which is still a very long time to be fumbling with a hot sauce bottle. Death. Record. And then he writes, then I guzzled down the entire bottle of hot sauce. I instantly regretted it. My mouth and throat felt like lava was swirling inside me. I immediately started to gag and loudly cough. I was crying involuntarily, tears hardcore streaming down my face. I was sweating like a terrible fool. And then he says, I threw up all over the floor. And it hurt as much on the way out as it did on the way in, if not more so. The vomit felt like flaming barbed wire shredding its way through my neck. See, that was going to be my guess, is that he immediately threw up. Because, like, that's what happens when you do something like that with extreme hot sauce. Yeah. Why not put tomato juice in the hot sauce bottle if you really want to... Okay, that is what someone wrote in a comment. So, you know, he says he hoarsely mumbled an apology, started to stumble as quickly as possible out the door. And then he ends the post... By saying, I didn't get the job. <laughs> Unnecessary, but, you know, good punctuation. <laughs> What's the title of the post? The title of the post is, Today I fucked up by drinking an entire bottle of Louisiana hot sauce at a job interview in a failed attempt to be impressive. Mm. Um, what people love about it is that the top comment, all it says is, Were you always this stupid or did you take lessons? Which, which uh, is a great burn, as it were. <laughs> I wish we knew the job. I know, me too. Um, just a few more comments. Yeah. In true Reddit fashion, someone wrote, maybe next time you can just walk over to the interviewer, bear hug them from behind while leaning back so that their legs are dangling in the air, and scream, I will not let you down. <laughs> <laughs> and then someone else said... Or carve numbers into your chest and yell, you can count on me. Ah, I still think you should have just, just put tomato juice in the bottle. If you really want to commit, at least make it a little sleight of hand or something. Yeah, or like practice or something, you yeah, know. practice. <laughs> he went into this totally cold. Clearly he couldn't handle the heat. He could not handle the heat. Moral of the story, don't drink hot sauce. Maybe drink Kool-Aid instead. All right, that's our snack time for this week. Josh, thanks for being ride or die and holding down the fort for us while Amory and I are, you know, Amory's off gallivanting in national parks and I'm sweating it out in my basement repairing doors. You got it. Support for this podcast comes from Is Business Broken, a podcast from BU Questrom School of Business. Listen on for a preview of one of the episodes featuring Mindy Luber, CEO of Ceres, a nonprofit dedicated to integrating sustainability into businesses. Here's host Kurt Nickish. 
Are the people who are working with ESG data now at companies, are they in a sustainability department? Does this just become part of general strategy or part of finance? How is that evolution happening with the actual people who are looking and working with the numbers? So with both companies and investors, the cute idea of social responsibility that was at a manager level or something their foundations dealt with, that's gone. It is very clear based on data, based on facts, based on trends, that integrating sustainability into the core business is crucial. I mean, you cannot have a climate goal that says we're going to get to a net zero by 2040 if every department at the enterprise is not working on that. That's your manufacturing people. It's your supply chain people. So we find that there is often a sustainability team, but they're laying out a plan that involves almost every enterprise, every office, every part of a firm. And that's what we're seeing because nobody can do the kind of cross-organizational work in one little group. It involves the entire team. It involves HR. Who are you hiring? Is DEI being implemented? How is that working? As it relates to where do you get your resources? Are there enough natural resources to make your product? What are the auto companies doing now that they've committed to by 2035, there will be no combustion engine vehicles coming off their assembly line for consumer vehicles. So sustainability is no longer a cute, a niche, a part of something off to the side. It is an integral part of almost every major enterprise and every major investor. Find the full episode by searching for Is Business Broken? wherever you listen to podcasts and learn more about the Marotra Institute for Business, Markets, and Society at ibms.bu.edu.